Thank you for joining us this morning. Last week, such a joy and an honor to have Pastor D preaching for us. I know that it blessed you and it blessed me as well. He led us out of Egypt with the children of Israel. We left Egypt last week with a cloud by day and a fire by night. I was so encouraged by that passage and we talked about the faithfulness of God leading his dear children along. It is good to know that God leads us and guides us. Here they were, remember Pharaoh kicked them out essentially said, get out. They took all the best that Egypt had. They leave, and God is present with them. He's leading them in a powerful way. I I just want to encourage you before we dive too deep into Exodus 14 this morning to tell you that God is faithful. When When you can't see him, he is still faithful. When you can't feel him, and we live in such a culture that wants to feel stuff, but I'm telling you, even when you can't feel him, God is faithful when the heat of the day is beating down on you he is still faithful when you can't see for the darkness of night and you're struggling to find your way God is faithful he's faithful to lead his dear children along in fact George Young years and years ago wrote and composed that him, God, leads us along. He was an obscure preacher and a carpenter who spent a lifetime humbly serving God in small rural areas. By all accounts, his salary and means were very meager and his life was difficult for him and his family. But he and his wife never wavered in their loyalty to the Lord. The story is told that after much struggle and effort, George and his wife and family were finally able to move into a very small home that they built themselves. Their joy seemed complete. All that hard work paid off. While he was away preaching in another town, some, the description comes, hoodlums back in the area who didn't care for his preaching, burned his house down. Nothing but a heap of ashes left. And George, it's reported, goes to his study out of this tragic experience and pins the words, in shady green pastures, so rich and so sweet, God leads his dear children along. Where the water's cool flow bathes the weary one's feet, God leads his dear children along. Sometimes on the mountain when the sun shines so bright, sometimes in the valley in the darkest of night, though sorrows befall us and Satan oppose, through grace we can conquer, defeat all our foes. The chorus says, some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season And all the day long. God has led. God is leading now. And he is faithful to continue to lead us right where he wants us to go as children of God for his glory and for his namesake. Where did that take Israel? Right into, watch this, an impossible 
situation. I'm telling you that you can follow the Lord and He can lead you into an impossible situation. He could set it up that way for His glory. I want to give you a few notes as we work through the text this morning. That's what that note sheet is for when you come in. Flip it over. Make these little notes over the headers as you go back and read through this text this week. I trust it will be a blessing to you. I want us to look at the first few verses here under the heading of the enemy's pursuit. Verses 1 through 9. The enemy's pursuit. I want you to know something. You can tear out and tear off for God and be headed the right direction with the right path and the right energy and the enemy come right after you. In fact, it's possible to recognize this reality. He probably wasn't harassing you a whole lot when you weren't living for Christ. You were on his team. (laughs) But now that you are going the opposite direction, one old preacher said, you're going to run headlong right into the enemy himself oftentimes. God's direction to the people of Israel, as Pastor Norm read for us just a few moments ago, to turn back. They had started off, and he says, I want you to turn back. You see it in verse 2? Tell the people to turn back. They were making progress, and God says, turn back. It looked like they were confused, and they were misguided, and they were lost. Can I just tell you that sometimes when you're following the Lord, Jesus Christ, when you're obeying God's word, Others may look on at your life and think that you are out of your ever-loving mind. Like, what are you doing on Sunday mornings? That's the only day you've got. Why would you spend that in church? What's wrong with you? Well, you can say you're weird with the rest of us. It's fine. What are you doing? Why would you spend so much of your time and energy doing this? Why would you pray and just say words into the air? You look crazy. Why, Why would you give part of your income and means to a church who does that well God's people do that God's people do that and and they say there's no way you can make more and 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 have enough to pay all your bills if you've got less money you're giving that away and we say look we know what it looks like on paper but we can show you the faithfulness of God to supply all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus y'all look crazy grace covenant y'all look crazy but I'm crazy right there with you and we're crazy about each other The children of Israel look like they'd lost their mind. They've turned around and gone back, but God lays out the plan. Norm just read that, that he will again harden Pharaoh's heart. Why? So that he will get glory and the Egyptians will know that he alone is God and none of their gods. God has pulled apart, think about this, all of creation. He's pulled apart creation all around Pharaoh through the plagues. Egypt has returned to primordial chaos Darkness and death is the day for Egypt. And still, Pharaoh thinks he's going to pull one over on the people of God. He hasn't learned the lesson. Pharaoh pursues God's people just as God said he would. Pharaoh thought that he had a good military strategy, but what he was actually doing was fulfilling the purposes of God Almighty to bring God glory. I want to tell you something. The enemy may be coming strong on you. You may be having folks in your life all around you that are trying to complicate your life and mess with you. Anybody got it? No show of hands. But y'all got any people in your life messing with you? Yeah. Yeah. It's possible. (laughs) They think they're going to shut you down. God may have set the whole thing up so that he could be glorified through your faithfulness and salvation. The Bible says in Romans 9, looking back on this account, 
For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I've raised you up that I might show my power in you, Pharaoh, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. As Pharaoh pursues Israel, he would have used the best of the chariots that he had while Israel fled on foot. That's not fair. It's an unfair fight by earthly strategy. It's unfair. Sometimes the wisdom of God looks like confusion to the world. Isaiah 55 reminds us that as far as the heavens are above the earth, as so are his ways higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. 1 Corinthians 1.25 says the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisest of men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The enemy's pursuit is real. They're on the trail of God's people. Next header. He's like, oh, he's moving fast. I wonder how many points he's got. Point two, you ready? <laughs> the people's panic. They didn't have to look in the rearview mirror. They could hear the chariots coming behind them. They could see them close enough that no far-seeing telescope was required. They panic. Look with me, please, at verses 10 through 12. You've got a pew Bible right in front of you. It's also on the screen. If you grab that pew Bible, do me a favor. Feel free to write in there. Uh, notes appropriate to the text, of course, right? Don't just, like, write your phone number or something. Anyway, the people's panic, verses 10 through 12. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. The people of Israel cried out to the Lord. I want you to see it again. I know it's been read, but look at what they said. Is it because there were no graves in Egypt? You've taken us away to die here. Verse 12 is probably the harshest. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Do I need to remind you what the conditions were like when they were slaves? They had a ruthless slave master and taskmaster on them. He had killed all the males in the tribes. They're saying it's better to go back. Israel turns around and sees the greatest military force in the world coming after them with the most advanced military technology bearing down on them. But look at how quickly they spiral when they panic. The most alarming thing here was their willingness to go back into bondage. The whole point of the Exodus was for them to get out and what? Do you remember? Serve and worship the Lord. This was more than a loss of nerve, church family. This was a lack of faith. By pledging their allegiance to Pharaoh, they were denying the power of God. The psalmist puts it bluntly in Psalm 106 when he says this, they rebelled by the sea, by the Red Sea. Where did they rebel? At this moment. This really starts a disappointing pattern in Israel's behavior. As long as things are going great, they're like, yes, Moses, yes, Lord. That old song, yes, Lord. Completely yes, my soul says yes. Oh, that was their anthem as long as things were happening good. But the moment, the moment there was any trial or discomfort, they immediately began to complain to Moses and to the Lord and asked to go back to Egypt. I posted this comment earlier this week on social media. Warren Wiersbe said it well. He said, unbelief has a way of erasing from our memory 
all of the demonstrations we've seen God's great power and all the instances we know of God's faithfulness to his word. Unbelief has a way of erasing that from our memory. Brother, sister, are you tempted to do the same thing when you panic? When you sense the Lord is leading you and you're hoping he's taking a direct path to the promised land, but instead the path takes a detour into the slough of despond or the valley of humiliation? Or how about your path toward discipleship? God wants to bring us all the way out of our sins, but for some of us, we only come partway. We decide to follow Christ, but as soon as we start having any problems, we get scared, we panic, and we go right back to our ways of coping. Anger, addiction, attitudes, the same old habits. Why do we do that? There's comfort in the familiar We've been through that before. We know we can cope with those things. Can I remind you, God wants to make you new, completely transforming you into the image of his dear son as you fall completely on him. The enemy pursues the people of God. The people panic, and now, now we behold the Lord's power. In verses 13 through 31, the Lord's power, Moses announces it. Let me give you three little headers as we go through so you know the sub-points here. They're really quick. We're going to see the Lord's power through Moses. I believe that's going to hold up. We're going to see the Lord's power for Israel. And we're going to see the Lord's power against Egypt. You all are smart. I can see your brains it's funny, if you could stand up here, I can see your brain's working. You're already at application. So I'll go there and say, yes, you're absolutely right. God still works his power through individuals. He still works his power on behalf of his people. And that same power still works against the enemy. But let's get there. Indulge me for just a few moments, okay? In verses 13 through 14, Moses stands up and gives that powerful oration when he says, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. Then he finishes and says, and be still, be quiet. Can I unpack this for just a moment? I won't do this with all the text left, don't worry. Here you go, fear not, the first thing. All of us need to hear this phrase. Do you remember when Pastor Vincent Riley was here? Our brother from the other side of Charlotte from Meeting Place Church, he stood right here and reminded us that the phrase fear not and do not be afraid Coupled together, those things show up about 365-odd times in the Bible. Isn't that remarkable? There's a fear not, a don't be afraid for every single day of your life. Wow. Fear not. All of us need to hear that phrase. From the most well-balanced emotionally in the room this morning to the most fragile on the edge, can I encourage you? Fear not. Don't be afraid. We need to be reminded of this when the enemy is raging, whether he comes in like a flood or seeps in like a fog. We need to be reminded of this when our prayers seem to go unanswered. You may recall that reminder every single day. You might need it every day when the prayers, it says the heavens feel like brass and they just seem to bounce around. Fear not. Don't be afraid, child of God. All of us need to hear that from time to time, even from the bravest bloke in the room. You know what else? All of us need to say that to one another, too. 
Moses is declaring this to the people of God. We need to encourage the body of Christ. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. To our brothers and sisters who are in the fight as we bear their burdens together, you know what we can say? Fear not. Don't be afraid. You are not alone. One of the things the enemy likes to do is to isolate you, to make you feel like you're in this all alone. That is a lot straight from the pit of hell. You are not alone, child of God. You are not alone. Look around the room this morning. Now, I know that we've had our challenges through the distancing in recent days, and all of us are longing to sit around a table and actually eat together soon, not just because we're Southern, but because we're family. But I get that, but we're still in this together. You're not alone. There is not one thing you have to walk through alone. We will bear your burden together. Fear not, don't be afraid. Moses could say that with authority because we're in covenant with each other. You don't have to be afraid if you are in Christ. You know what? That can be evangelistic too to those outside the faith. Aren't you afraid? Oh, I'm tempted to be, but I'm not afraid. I can fear not because of who Jesus is. You see, it's in him that we live and move and have our being, Acts 17. Philippians 1, for to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He says, fear not, he says, stand firm. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Proverbs 21 says, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. We stand, not in our own strength, because we've got it all together. Have you met us? We don't have it all together. We don't even know where all of it is. But we stand because of who he is. We stand in the power of his might. Moses, in this moment, says those two words, stand firm. And Paul exegetes it this way and says, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, watch me church, and having done all to stand we stand firm because of who God is we fear not we stand firm and then Moses says see the Lord see the salvation of the Lord this series of divine miracles screams out the greatness and the power of God it heralds the faithfulness of our God to his promises and it celebrates God's concern for his people God knows you and in spite of that he loves you and cares about you and longs to hold you close to himself I don't know what your relationship with your father was like but you've never had a relationship with a father like our heavenly father you have to lean in to see the Lord though This series of miracles the psalmist would use to lift up the mighty works of God. The prophets would use to encourage the people in Babylonian captivity. The prophets would also use to motivate the backslidden nation to return to the Lord. This is where your spiritual disciplines come in. Your spiritual disciplines are so important here. You've got to lean into God with your Bible reading and lean into God with your 
praying and fasting and lean into God with the way that you are in covenant with one another. We've got to do this thing God's way and he has given the prescription for our success. We'd never think of sending an undisciplined soldier to the front lines of the battlefield, would we? And yet we're in a battle. I would ask the question this morning, how are you doing in your spiritual disciplines? Finally, he says, be still. Fear not, stand firm, see the Lord, be still. This doesn't mean that you abdicate responsibility and do nothing. No, it means you do the things you're supposed to do and you trust God with the things he's supposed to do. That's easy, isn't it? Everybody got that? Moving on, right? We all do that well. No, I find myself all the times trying to do the things that God's supposed to do and, and not doing the things I'm supposed to do. Am I the only one? Let me give you an example. As a parent, it's my responsibility to be a faithful and good parent. But I'm not responsible for the choices my children make. I've gotta leave that to God and be still. I'm responsible for being a good employee, so are you, but I'm not responsible for the actions of my boss, or boss says. Um, I gotta leave that to God and be still. I'm responsible for telling others the gospel, but I'm not responsible for their salvation. I've got to leave that with God. And ultimately, I'm responsible for my sin, but I'm not responsible for achieving my own forgiveness. The Lord did that through his son, Jesus Christ. So that's God working through Moses. Now we see God's power working for Israel. God displays his glory. Let's look at two verses. They'll just kind of be the bookends for what God does here. You know the account. Verse 21, then Moses stretches out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. Verse 30, and the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. There's a lot of detail in between there. You do well to go read it. I'm just gonna give you some notes for our time here this morning. God separates the water through a, how did he do it? What did it say? Look back at the text. Through a wind. Rhymes with end. Good, wind, yes, awesome. The word here is wind or blast or breath. The word used also is the word for spirit. It's the word ruach. Oh, this, is, uh, this is good stuff, y'all. Let me nerd out for a minute. The wind blowing over the waters, it's just like the spirit at creation. It's the same word where God hovered over the waters at creation. The wind blowing over these waters, it's the same in the story of Noah floating on an endless sea of watery judgment. Noah had no future, but the Bible says God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark in Genesis 8.1 and he sent a ruach, a wind, over the earth and the waters receded. God rescues his people from death by sending his breath the Holy Spirit, wind, to repeat creation as he separates the waters to make dry ground. Oh, friend, are you in need of the breath of God this morning to do some separating in your life? In 1878, Edwin Hatch penned the hymn, Breathe on me, breath of God. Verse three says this, Breathe on me, breath of God, till I am wholly thine, until this earthly part of me glows thy fire divine. You say, Pastor, I, I need the breath of God today. I've come to encourage you this morning. He's given it. 
God has breathed on us in 2020 through His Word and through His Spirit. Now I say them this way because I know evangelicalism. I've got friends, you've got friends, and most of us try to pitch a tent on one side or the other. We like to say the people over here that are just hanging to the Word of God and that's all they hang to and that's it, right? The theologically conservative, right? Like a button-your-coat kind of guy, right? Well, those are the word people. And then we've got the spirit people over here, our charismatic brothers and sisters. And that's, a, no, 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 it's both. <laughs> it's the word and the spirit. You need the spirit to understand the word. The Holy Spirit is not a force. He's a person, the third person of the Trinity. What a blessing he is. The Bible says, watch this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. His breath is still dividing the waters in us. Watch this text, you ready? Hebrews 4, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Breath of God, breathe on us today. God breathed and saved his people through that. And with that same movement, he judged his enemies. Final text, verses 23 through 28. I'll cover it quickly. It'll be on the screen. You've got it in your Bibles. The Egyptians go in after them, ablazing, right? Horses, chariots, horsemen. In the morning, watch the Lord sees the Egyptians and forces them into a panic. Verse 25, he clogs their chariot wheels, so they drove heavily. The Egyptian says, let's go. This is another time they're appealing to Pharaoh saying, can we stop doing this? He says, nope, go on in. Verse 26, then the Lord says to Moses, stretch out your hand. Moses does it in verse 27, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, and not one of them remained. This is tough, y'all. This is tough. Some of us may think this is too harsh. Too harsh for God to drown an entire army. But it was right and it was just. Pharaoh and his soldiers were cruel men, evil men, bent on destroying God's people. Evil men killing innocent children deserve to fall into the hands of the living God. That's true today. It was especially appropriate for them to die by drowning because they had once tried to drown all the children of Israel in the Nile. What happened to them at the Red Sea, make no mistake, was divine retribution. These men deserve to be punished for their sins and God is glorified when he judges people for their sins. Why? Because it displays his attributes of justice. We cry out for justice. We want it for others. We cry out for justice, not often for ourselves, unless we think we're owed something. You ready for the scary truth? Outside of Christ, we stand in the same deserving condition as Pharaoh and all of his armies and these legions of evildoers who have plagued humanity for centuries. 
We may not have done the same deeds, but our heart is in the same position of rebellion against the holy God. We too deserve God's judgment and eternal separation from Him. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. God saves His people and judges the nations for His glory. I'm closing. I've found no shortage of folk who want to try to explain away miracles, even commentaries who seem to be bent on making sure that nothing miraculous is received as miraculous. Nope, this was not a miracle. Here's an explanation. And they reach. You talk about reaching and using unscientific methods to reach. It's, it's laughable at times, but sometimes we get in our own little worlds and we think we can explain everything away. I've encountered quite a few in Exodus with the plagues and all that. We covered that the other week. I'm sure you have too in your reading. I came across this account that I found helpful. Pastor Donald Bridge tells the story of a liberal preacher visiting an African-American church. As the minister talked about the crossing of the Red Sea, somebody from the congregation shouted, Praise the Lord! Taking all them children through the deep waters. What a mighty miracle. The minister just cringed he couldn't believe that somebody did that he didn't believe in miracles himself he was annoyed so rather condescendingly he told the congregation that the Israelites probably didn't cross over the deep Red Sea it was more like the Reed Lake which was a marshy marshland with an ebbing tide so that they were simply wading through about six inches of water in response to this that same voice came out from the congregation and said praise the Lord drowning all those Egyptians in six inches of water (laughs) there's no way to slice this other than to say fear not stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord church family our faithful God leads us Sometimes he leads us into places and positions and, take a deep breath, relationships that are hard, impossible. We don't understand it. I thought I was following Jesus. How did I wind up here? Following Jesus does not mean that the enemy won't be in full pursuit. Following the Lord does not mean that our faith won't be shaken into a panic and we won't be tempted to bail. And reach back for those old ways. But following the Lord does mean that he will always show himself strong through his salvation for his glory. Let's stand together. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to sing some songs together. For those of you joining us today, you're our guests I know normally people sing at the front of a service. We've moved it to the end and we keep our masks on during this season to try to minimize that and stay as safe as we can under these circumstances. But just before we pray, let me ask you the question. Are you at a Red Sea this morning? Are you looking over your shoulder because you can hear those chariot wheels, quote unquote, of the enemy behind you? Are you about two seconds from panicking or bailing? Oh, Fear not. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord. Let's pray. 
if you're here this morning and you need to grab somebody because you are about to bail and you need some help, you feel alone, don't you leave this place in that condition. I can gar- I'm looking around and I think there's somebody on every row that you can appropriately socially distance, grab or get their attention in some way and they would pray with you. They'd open up God's word and encourage your heart. I'm here as well. Come get me. Don't leave discouraged, deceived, thinking you're alone. Run to Jesus this morning. Father, thank you for your word. It's one thing to preach this stuff. It's another thing to live it. It's one thing to hear these things and say amen or wow, that sounds good or I like that. It's another thing to walk out of this building, get into our vehicles and live like we believe the rest of the week. The world's looking for answers right now, God, and we know who to find them in. May your people today fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. Amen.